Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Chris Putnam-Walkerly, who is a global philanthropy advisor and the president of Putnam Consulting Group. She's the author of the award-winning book, Confident Giving, Sage Advice for Funders. She's a Forbes.com contributor on the topic of philanthropic giving, and she was also named one of America's top 25 philanthropy speakers in 2016 and 2017, which puts her in the same category with YouTube frontman Bono. For nearly 20 years, top global philanthropies have requested Chris's help to transform their giving and catapult their impact. Her clients include the Charles and Helen Schwab Foundation, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, David and Lucille Packard Foundation, Annie He Casey Foundation, Walton Family Foundation, California Healthcare, Avery Dennison, and the Commonwealth Funds, among dozens of others. So welcome, Chris. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here, Linda. So tell me, you've just written this book about confident giving. So what prompted you to write that? I mean, aren't givers confident to start with? They're giving away money after all. <laughs> well, they're often confident in how they raise the money themselves, but uh, tend to lose confidence when they give the money away. You know, it seems like giving money away would be an easy thing to do and a fun thing to do. And, of course, it can be fun. But it's harder than you think it is. Um, it's harder, for example, to figure out what are the causes that are most meaningful to you or perhaps to your family or to your company, uh, and then to figure out how exactly you can make a difference with the amount of funding that you have. So, for example, let's say you want to help homeless people um, to not be homeless. You know, so what are the things you could do? You could build more shelters. You could help them find affordable housing, and if they get that housing, do they need other kinds of services? Or you might want to stop them from becoming homeless in the first place, right? Um, maybe you want to address the lack of affordable housing or job training or, uh, you know, substance abuse treatment or mental health issues that they might have. Um, or you might want to help people who are getting out of the prison system and, you know, sort of becoming homeless immediately upon uh, getting released from prison, right? So there's all different kinds of ways you could tackle any given problem, if it's homelessness or domestic violence or access to quality health care. Uh, and so helping uh, funders figure out what's the best approach that's meaningful to them and will make a difference uh, and how they can go about finding those kinds of organizations and charities to support. So I really wrote the book to help donors and corporations and foundations to figure out ways to be smarter about their giving and therefore more confident that the impact that they're having an impact with their charitable dollars. That's wonderful. And and again, I don't think you think about these things because if you're just going to give money to like the United Way or or the American Cancer Society or some other organization like that, then you're done. But if you want to think about it more from a cause-related, I want to help a problem, help the homeless, or help uh, people in, in domestic violence situation, it becomes very different. So one question I have for you is we listed before kind of all these really high-end, um, very impressive foundations you work with. Do you have to be do you have to have millions of dollars to give away to be a donor? I mean, is your book applicable to just ordinary people who don't have these multi-million dollar foundations? Yeah, absolutely it is applicable. I mean, anybody that makes any kind of charitable contribution, if it's $100 or $1,000 or a $1 million, you're still hoping that um, the money that you donate will be used uh, 
properly. Um, it'll be spent uh, the way it was intended to be spent and with uh, leaders of organizations that are um, doing good for their community and that ultimately it will have an impact. Um, you know, maybe your $100 added together with more people's $100, you know, adds up to a million dollars and you can have significant impact or your funding could be matched um, by someone else that's also donating uh, with matching funds. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the issues are all the same. I mean, just think about, you know, the recent uh, natural disasters that have hit this country in terms of wildfires in Northern California and all the hurricane-related um, disasters. As a donor, you, of course, want to help, and then you're immediately often not sure what to support. Is it better to support a national organization like a Salvation Army that, mm. you know, has a, a, a positive name brand and recognition and you have, you know, relative confidence that the money is going to be well spent? Or would you rather support an organization that's local to that community that has the hands-on um, experience, boots-on-the-ground relationships with neighborhood and community leaders um, to be able to uh, identify immediate needs and respond. So those are, you know, choices that, you know, whether you have $100 to give away or 10000 it's an important consideration. And not only that, Linda, um, then you can think about things like, well, how can you help a community responding to a disaster? Mm -hmm. There's immediate needs for relief in terms of shelter, housing, clothing, safe food, and safe water. But what about long-term rebuilding? Right. And making sure that, you know, infrastructure exists um, and systems exist to prevent, of course, you can't prevent a hurricane, but you can certainly help make sure that building codes are um, uh, re requiring uh, hurricane-ready, <laughs> there's a better technology for the, uh, ter terminology for that, but, you know, uh, uh, building codes that are preparing those buildings for resisting hurricanes. And so... You know, it's just it, it, there's no right or wrong answer. Of course, it's all really important, um, but it's it, what is important for is that you, as the donor, think about you know where do you want to have the greatest impact. I think this is so important because we all want to help. The other thing I, I think, particularly over the last couple of months with Hurricane One, Two, Three in a row, right, um, um, Houston mm -hmm. and, and then Florida and then Puerto Rico, and then wildfires in California and something else and an earthquake in Mexico, uh, as well as everything else going on, that you kind of get this fatigue where, where donors are saying, oh, my God, I just gave to that one and that one and that one. Now there's another one. So is there a way to kind of um, manage that if you're an organization or you're trying to encourage people to give? Is there a way to kind of help people get through that? Well, I think that is that speaks to the importance of communications and marketing, really, for um, those uh, funds that are receiving those dollars. So, for example, uh, the Community Foundation of Sonoma County is a client of mine, and mm -hmm. they uh, immediately in the aftermath of the, or during the fires, really created a um, Sonoma, County, Sonoma County Resiliency Fund mm. to immediately begin accepting donations from anywhere for ind from individuals and corporations that wanted to help support uh, the rebuilding of Sonoma County and um, immediate relief and recovery. And so what's important is, you know, creating those, opportunities for people to give quickly uh, and then uh, equally quickly communicating about them widely um, beyond, you know, the local area, but, you know, globally, 
because you're right, there is a lot of fatigue, and it's only it could be a matter of hours or days before some other disaster or tragedy um, happens and everyone's attention is captured. Uh, and so it's important to have those communications plans in place mm-hmm. uh, in advance and then be able to communicate and market um, those fund opportunities that are available to help people because everyone wants to give and they don't know where to give. And so you're really doing people a favor by communicating about that quickly um, and widely. So certainly if you, if you have one of these funds or, or some kind of cause set up, you need to market it. But can you also tell us how does philanthropy relate with marketing in general? So uh, it's, it's good for organizations to do good work, but how do you see those two kind of coming together, philanthropy and marketing? Well, I see them coming together in a lot of ways. Um, so if you define marketing, for example, as you know the activities and processes for creating and communicating and delivering offerings that have value for customers or clients or society, then um, there's a lot of um, ways in which funders are seeking to do that by supporting um, uh, various issues and uh, uh, causes. So for example, if you think about the importance of educating new moms mm-hmm. about reading to their child every single day, that really in many ways is a marketing and communications activity. Or if you're trying to help people who have never, ever in their life had access to health insurance, and you're trying to help them access low-cost health insurance, know how to use that health insurance, actually go to a doctor for preventative care right. as opposed to going to the ER, that's really a marketing and communications intervention in a lot of ways. Um, or, you know, helping women get mammograms uh, sure. every year or whenever they need to. And so um, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of the interventions that f- funders and donors are hoping to support have a whole marketing and communications aspect to them that is critically important. Um, and without a good communications and marketing plan, you know, the goals are unlikely to be met. That's true. Yeah, so they need to you, – it, it's, and then I think sometimes we feel like if we build it, they will come, right? You know, we have a great cause, right. and, and people are interested in giving, so everything should be great. But what you're saying is even if you've get, got the money to do something, if you aren't able to reach the people you want to reach by communicating effectively, you haven't done what you need to do. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And even, you know, a lot of the work that's done is through partners. So it's not just right. the one foundation or the one corporation. It's in partnership with – the local school district or the local community clinics or the county government or the state government or, you know, whomever needs to be involved to tackle that issue. And so how do you ensure that collectively there is communication among all those partners sort of internally in that group of that collaborative as well as externally in terms of the other kinds of stakeholders that you might be trying to engage, like other policymakers, for example, or city council people, um, So there's a huge communications component. I think another way that um, marketing and communications relate to philanthropy is is really the brand of a foundation or a corporation Mm -hmm. uh, is really important because um, uh, that brand can influence uh, that organization's ability to have a charitable impact. So, for example, uh, one of my clients has been the Charles and Helen Schwab Foundation, And so in working with them on issues around things like substance abuse treatment and ending homelessness and reducing poverty, simply the brand recognition of that name of Charles Schwab 
opened a lot of doors and allowed this relatively small family foundation to partner with much larger, you know, national funders like the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and others um, who just, you know, by virtue of the name recognition, wanted to be involved. Um, And so it allowed that foundation to have access to resources and knowledge and opportunities to leverage its funding in ways that it wouldn't otherwise have had. Um, and certainly, you, you know, the same could be said for corporations. A you know, positive uh, corporate brand um, lends itself to um, not only customers wanting to participate in its charitable giving activities, but also uh, to support the company, you know, through purchasing or uh, utilizing the services. That makes sense, absolutely. And we've also seen some organizations that, while they had good causes they supported, wound up with some negative um, feedback. There was a time when the, uh, the the Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Foundation went through some tough times related to their brand, and people started to question that. So it, it's important for a, a charitable foundation to maintain who their brand is and make sure that it, it really is resonating with their donors as well as their uh, their constituents, the people that they need to to interact with. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it can take a long time to build up one's reputation, but it doesn't take much time at all for, for it to come tumbling down. So I think, you know, being attentive to, you know, your values and having integrity yeah. uh, and maintaining a positive brand is, is critically important, you know, for your the for-profit, you know, work and also the charitable work that you're seeking to do. So talk to me a little bit about how charitable giving can improve your brand if you're not a foundation but you're a, a corporation, whether you're Coca-Cola or, or Charles Schwab or, you know, someone who's a company that says sure. you want to do some of this. How does the charitable giving really impact um, your brand overall? Well, it's interesting. There's been a recent study done that shows that about 91% of global consumers are likely to switch brands to one that participates in cause marketing. So I do think that, you know, cause marketing um, and charitable giving is really important to uh, for-profit companies, large and small. Um, it certainly allows um, companies to support issues directly related to their businesses um, mm-hmm. so they can really capture the momentum from the company's mission and help reinforce its brand. So that's one way that a lot of uh, companies do that. You know, certainly charitable giving and cause-related marketing um, can boost the company's image. It can certainly benefit the area where your your employees are living and working, if it's locally in the United States or worldwide in areas where you have factories or mm-hmm. offices. Um, of course, it enhances customer appeal um, when you're able to support um, issues and causes that are meaningful to the to the foundation or to the corporation. So, for example, Target, um, you know, they had their disastrous security breach back in, what was that, 2013. Right. They then created, um, in order to, I think, in part help um, win back customer loyalty and trust, they created the Buy One, Give One campaign, which allowed um, anyone who purchased Target-branded school supplies, uh, Target would um, give one of those school supplies to an organization called the Kids in Need Foundation. So ultimately they donated about $25 million in school supplies for over a million and a half kids. So this you know, allowed the company to you know, donate to a particular charity, actually make a difference for these young people, but also begin to build trust among their um, customers and um, give their customers uh, kind of a low-cost, low-touch, 
low labor, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. way for them for them to give back and feel good about not only purchasing their own school supplies for their kids, but also helping other kids as well. You know, and I, I think that's important, and it's interesting to see organizations do that, which I think is a good thing, and hopefully they'll you know, they, they, that something becomes ingrained, and every year they do it, not just when they have a security breach. But there are organizations that, that sort of have this built right into their model, right? I'm thinking of Tom's Shoes, where you buy a shoe and uh, buy a pair of shoes, and, and another pair goes to a child somewhere else. Uh, and that's. Do you think that that really um, differentiates organizations? And should we see companies doing more of that? I think we are seeing companies doing more okay. of that, and I think it's really smart because it's part. It's really part of part of the way they do business and part mm-hmm. of their values and part of their organizational culture is giving, right? So in the case of Tom's, you know, anybody that goes to work for that, uh, corp- that company is, you know, keenly aware of the giving back value of that organization. Um, and that company then has the opportunity to really hire talent that, uh, va- that, that, that shares that value. Um, which is really important for organizational culture. I think another example would be uh, Chipotle, actually. So they have a you know food with integrity uh, campaign where they really have social goals designed mm-hmm. to help people eat healthier. Um, but part of the way they accomplish that is through their own purchasing and supporting sustainable agriculture uh, while promoting, of course, their delicious burritos and guacamole. And so it really allows um, – you know, the, the customers can understand the value uh, that Chipotle has on things like sustainable agriculture and healthy food simply by visiting, you know, one of their locations and, and placing an order. Uh, so it allow and the company, you know, is, that's how they're doing business. And so the way they're doing business is in and of itself charitable and philanthropic. Right. Is there any time when a company tries to kind of get associated with a cause, but there's this kind of uh, conflict between the way people perceive the organization and and the cause that they're supporting. So, in other words, if um, I mean, certainly we, we you know we wouldn't expect to see Whole Foods supporting anything that had to do with you know eat more chemicals, <laughs> you know, or or do things <laughs> that weren't natural. But I mean, is there a, 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 the time when someone tries to do something that, that may be well-meaning, but it doesn't really reflect who their brand is in the in the market? Sure. Yeah, there's lots of examples like that. I think um, there's one example I recall reading about where a company that made rifles donated free toy rifles to children in hospitals. <laughs> oh, ow. <laughs> ow, 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 ow. So, yeah. So, you know, they're a company that made rifles. Okay. Right. You know, that's what they had to give, yeah. you know, from a product perspective, but, you yeah. know, obviously inappropriate. Um, so they could have gone a lot further by simply donating funds or, you know, right, make a wish right. or some other kind of opportunity or health care <laughs> for those children. Yep. Um, yeah, I think when the, when the issue is not congruous with what the company is all about, yep. I think you're sort of destined for failure. It's very hard to overcome that. And so I think that's why it's really important um, you know, in that example, I don't know much about that particular rifle manufacturer, but, you know, you could donate to issues around violence prevention mm-hmm. and help, and you know, proper gun safety and, you know, domestic violence, you know, things that are tied to guns. Right, But right. obviously, you know, your, your hope is that they're used appropriately and safely and, um, you know, helping educate people about that kind of use. 
that would be a, a, an appropriate way to, to be supportive to the community. Got it. So, fine. and how can your brand and your marketing really improve your charitable giving? Is there a way that that can really influence what you do? And I guess we've sort of talked about it a little bit, but are there other things that you can kind of think of that might make a difference? Yeah, I think, you know, um, from a from a donor perspective or a foundation perspective, um, I think your brand, like going back to that Charles Schwab example mm-hmm. or any others, um, just people in the community knowing who you are and knowing what your brand is yeah. uh, helps them, allows them to know how they can partner with you and how yep. they can work with you. Um, if, if you're sort of unknown, um, then it's really hard to know who you are and what you stand for. Uh, you might stand for good things, but it's not known. And so I think, you know, to make any kind of deep, meaningful social change in this day and age, day and age it requires more than one entity. You know, one corporation, one government agency, you know, really can't create this kind of change alone. A lot of this work needs to be done in partnership with others uh, to build on, you know, everyone's strengths and leverage different sources of funding and, and, and knowledge and opportunity. And so when you think about it that way, brand is really important so that the various partners know each other and can trust each other and know where each other is coming from, their values, and build um, trusting partnerships and relationships that way. Fascinating. We've been talking with Chris Putnam Walkerly, who is the president of Putnam Consulting and the author of the book, Confident Giving Sage Advice for Funders. Uh, Chris, if there was one piece of advice you could give just the average person listening who might not have a multi-million dollar foundation, what would you tell us to do to make our giving, um, make us more confident that our giving is making a difference? That's a great question, Linda. I would suggest that listeners um, think about thoughtful giving. We often have reactive giving, right, mm-hmm. where we respond to the latest appeal that comes in the mail or our friend who's bicycling for cancer or whatever it is. And those are all likely good causes to support. But I think what's important is for a donor or any individual to think about what's meaningful to them, what's meaningful to their family, and um, you know where might they want to allocate their funding for that year, their donations for that year. If it's $50 or $500 that they have to give for the year, just spend you know even an hour uh, thinking about what you know what's meaningful to them, and then you know just identify a few ways to go about um, finding the right kinds of organizations to support, which could be as simple as going online and finding organizations, or asking friends or colleagues uh, for names of organizations to support, or contacting your local community foundation. Uh, which exist in almost every community in this country and often around the world. And those are local foundations whose job it is to give back to the community, and they're often very aware of different nonprofits that they can recommend um, for all kinds of issues that you might be interested in supporting. Great. That's fantastic. Chris, if people wanted to find out more about you, where would they go? Oh, they would go to my website, which is putnam-consulting.com. Dot com. All right. Fantastic. And again, we've been talking with Chris Putnam-Walkerly, and uh, thank you so much for, for being here and kind of sharing some of this because we all want to be um, more effective in, in helping uh, in, in all these causes, and sometimes you don't know what to do, so it's great advice. Well, thank you very much for having me. 
Thanks very much. Until next time, this is Linda Popke. Thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.